0: ITAM Review Podcast. News, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals.
1: Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast. My name is Martin Thompson from the ITAM Review. In this podcast, we speak to Christian Murphy, who is a procurement professional. Uh, He's a category manager and he's also a a blogger and podcaster over at softwarespend.com, which I strongly recommend that you take a look at. In the conversation with Christian, we look at his role in procurement. Um, I also found it an interesting discussion about how the SAM, ITAM and procurement professions can work together. Uh, We look at how procurement is measured and how that interplays with what SAM does. And also the concepts of saving funnels and how decisions are made in terms of software procurement. Um, I found it fascinating to um, see the procurement perspective um, uh, from Christian. And I hope you find it useful. Um, so, without further ado, over to Christian. Christian, a very warm welcome to the iTerm Review podcast. I stumbled across your, um, I stumbled across your podcast and your LinkedIn group. I think it was actually on nearly new software. I think you have an advert on there, don't you? Yeah,
0: yeah, for for my uh, software spend. So, right. thank you very much for inviting me to your podcast, Martin.
1: No, welcome. And yeah, so I stumbled across your um, site and uh, uh, really and dug in and listened to quite a few of your podcasts straight away. And it was great to get a procurement view on things. Could you perhaps introduce yourself and uh, tell us about your current role and perhaps your background and what you're doing at the moment? Sure. Yeah. So my name
0: is Christian Murphy. I'm a, I'm a software category manager. Um, so people in procurement will know what a category manager is. Perhaps we'll get into that later uh, later in this podcast. But um, I've worked in large organiza- large outsourcing organisations, doing software procurement. Uh, pretty much specialised in software procurement for the last decade, um, negotiating software contracts. Uh, buying software for uh, these large organizations who are either um, reselling that software or in most cases they are using that software to provide IT services to their clients. So a lot of a lot of spend, uh, they're buying a lot of software. Also very complex uh, situations where uh, there's license transfers to clients and there's uh, outsourcing rights that they need to procure. So really interesting uh, environment for buying software and that's that's what I've sort of grown up in and, and I'm passionate about the uh, software market and the software uh, industry and, and what I've what I'm currently doing with software spend is I've started a podcast and a blog which aims to build a community around software procurement and share best practices and share information around uh, the best way to go about it Negotiating software contracts with uh, with the big vendors.
1: Yeah, and I'd I'd recommend uh, anyone on the ITAM Review podcast go on and check it out. Really enjoyed them, uh, seeing the uh, procurement perspective. What what's what's a category manager, and how how do you how do you interface with Sam and and ITAM type people in your organisation? How does that work? Well,
0: a category manager um, is. If I go back and maybe explain a little bit the procurement organization as it's typically um, uh, organized within, within companies. Um, procurement is all about buying and, and buying most efficiently. And so most companies split that into what they call the procurement cycle. And so you start with looking at requirements what do you actually need to go out and purchase or where do you have gaps in, in what you've currently got. Uh, you go out to the market, you analyze the market to see what's available, you'll down select suppliers, uh, and maybe run an RFP, then do a contract negotiation and then it moves into ongoing management of that supplier and of the contract and, uh, and then back again until you need requirements and it's just a sort of constant cycle. And Most procurement organizations split their their, their teams up into categories. So you have someone looking at, for example, telecom, another person looking at hardware, another person looking at software, and then maybe if you look into non-IT categories, you've got stuff like marketing, and business services, and whatever. Yeah. So my role as a category manager is uh, to understand everything that's going on within the company as regards third-party software spend. Anything we're buying, any contracts we have, and to make sure that uh, that buying process happens smoothly. Um, now, it, it's how that's organised within different countries, different companies varies. But uh, at the, at the moment, I'm very much focused on opportunity generation, which I think you wanted to get into later in your uh, in, in the agenda. But to address your question on how we interface with uh, software asset management, um, the software asset management team. It, it's very much a, a daily uh, contact that I have with the software asset management people within the company I work at at the moment uh, because the software asset management people know what it is we've got and know what it is we uh, we need to be buying. Uh, they're also very good at predicting what's what the, the, the upcoming demand will be, often better than uh, the BUs or at least it's easier to get that information information From the SAM teams than from, from the, the various business units. So it's a very much a, a hand in hand um, a, a work, working relationship with the SAM teams. Uh, not only that, but SAM teams are getting much more uh, advanced in terms of not just adding up the number of licenses that an organization has and keeping track of that, but they're also moving into understanding the best licensing models that suppliers have and how that, how, which licensing model the organization should purchase rather than just you know, blindly going out and buying a license. So it, it's becoming the lines between what software asset management organizations do and what procurement organizations do is getting slightly blurred, I would say, uh, as they both um, realise how important the activities of the other
1: are. And does the SAM function, they're they're a different department or they all come under the same umbrella? Are they part of procurement?
0: Well, I mean, I don't want to go into too much detail about the organisation I'm working in now, but uh, yes, they are in in that organisation. In others, I've seen, you know, there is no official SAM organisation and it's sort of dumped on procurement to do that. Uh, And in other organizations, uh, I've seen that, again, there is no official SAM organization and it's just sort of one person within each business unit trying to keep a track of of what licenses they've got with an Excel spreadsheet. Uh, I mean, you and I will agree that that's not the best way to do things, but uh, that's often how it happens.
1: And you, you mentioned you're working closely with the SAM guys. And they and they've got an idea of that sort of what you have and where it is and what's being used and whatnot. How 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 what's the sort of interplay? What's what's in it for them for working for procurement? How how do you help them and how do they help you?
0: Well, the 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 help that we get from Sam and what I think the the you guys talk a lot about you know how Sam is important for. Um, understanding the assets you've got and being prepared for an audit and all that kind of stuff. When it comes to my uh, my point of view where SAM, a good solid SAM practice helps is in negotiations because software vendors will always try to dictate how the negotiations play out and they will dictate the pace of the negotiations, they'll dictate what the agenda is when you... Uh, when you have meetings uh, with the vendor on negotiating a new contract and there's nothing a the software vendor would love more than to spend the three months prior to a contract uh, contract renewal date arguing about exactly how many licenses they've got and how and, and where those licenses are and whether they're still under support or not. They, they, they love to just drag the negotiations down into that kind of detail and get away from talking about things like price, things like um, uh, the the value of the support payments that are being paid, all that kind of stuff they don't want to talk about. So <laughs> if they can, they'll just bug the conversation down with getting you to go back and check your, your license inventory. Um, so from my point of view, that's where if we can uh, just run a report and say, "This is what we've got. We're fairly sure of it. These are these are our, our um, uh, policies in terms of SAM, and the, this is how we do our software asset management. And therefore, we're fairly confident in the numbers we've got." Then, you know, it, it puts the negotiations into a totally different, um, a totally different atmosphere, and you can address other things rather than just focusing on the quantity of licenses that need to be renewed or the support that needs to be renewed on those licenses.
1: Absolutely. And and if if I, if I look at a, um, if we look at an extreme example uh, of something I've heard of is that the Sam and procurement people work in complete isolation and that procurement come, you know, the, the Sam people get aggravated because the procurement guy comes sweeping in and renews the contract and and perhaps you know scalps the vendor or or takes a big chunk out of the price but then the sound people turn around and say well hang on okay you've done a good job because you reduced the price but we didn't actually need all of that software and there's a disconnect there um i mean have you got any advice in terms of building bridges there but how how do you how do you get that good relationship going forward i would say that it's not just the
0: sound it's, it's I think that there's really three uh, or four parties to the negotiations on, the, on on the customer side so when you're facing a, a, a software vendor, you've got the business who need to need to give some indication on the requirements and the demand. Um, in larger organizations you might also have a, a CIO or some sort of technology organization who are dictating the standards and what kind of technology should be deployed. Uh, then you've got the, the asset management team and the procurement team. And those four entities need to work together to understand what goes into the contract. Uh, there's no use in, in just relying on on what you know the SAM view, which is what we've currently got, or the procurement view is just let's go out and get the best contract possible at the lowest price. Uh, so each of those four parties needs to understand the goals and aspirations of the other and, and, and work together. And a co- I mean, that's a common thing what you just mentioned. You know, uh, procurement organizations getting blamed for going out and buying contracts with a whole load of licenses that are not required. Now, that's true that that happens, but at the same time, you have to appreciate that that's something that software suppliers often try and force on you and it's not necessarily a bad thing. Having a lot of shelfware seems like an overhead that you don't need, you know, you might have a couple of million dollars worth of software sitting on the shelf that you negotiated as part of a a global agreement with a, a large vendor, what do you do with that and the business is looking at it saying that's wasted money, well it's not really because that software vendor would have got whatever revenue they wanted to get out of you regardless of you know what was in the contract. Uh, so the fact that you negotiated some uh, free uh, software as part of that, it's never free of course, but that's, that's part of the deal and if you don't make use of it then you don't make use of it, but it, you shouldn't always see that as money wasted. Now, it depends which software vendor you're talking about, obviously. That that kind of thing is less likely with someone like Microsoft. It's much more likely with someone like IBM. Uh, Pretty much every organization that I've known uh, or heard of, IBM always tries to make you grow when they renew your contract. So they they try and make you buy new software uh, before you, you need it. Especially, I'm talking here about large global uh, agreements where you're just buying locally that's less the case but if you're buying if you're doing a global agreement with one of the big mainframe vendors they're almost certainly going to want you to uh, grow your the footprint of software within your organization therefore you end up with stuff on the shelf and you end up thinking oh, how am I going
1: to use this so um,
0: that,
1: that's I'm, I'm sorry I, I, I don't understand why that's not waste then because you're saying um, they they're going to get you to spend that money anyway, um, and so therefore you've got it bundled as part of your agreement. I don't I don't why why is that not waste?
0: Well, there's a lot of uh, software vendors, IBM being the most obvious one that does this, that say okay you're spending uh, 20 million today, um, we. In order for us to for it to make sense for us, IBM, to have a global relationship with you and have this global contract, we want to see you grow. Uh, we want to see our software footprint grow within your organisation. So you need to. Uh, so so they want to see you know you grow to 25 million. So whether you buy an extra five million worth of software, even if you don't need it. Or you pay five million extra for the software that you've currently got, then they're going to get that twenty-five million out of you, regardless. Uh, that's that's a very common way IBM negotiate. So, you know, when people see that, they don't understand the the, the um, dynamics of that, and they think, well, we're we're spending money that we don't need. Yes, you are, but other if you don't like that, then you need to go back to a local model where you're not. You don't have a global agreement um, with IBM. You're just buying on a country by country basis. So, so um, rather
1: than rather, you're waste, paying for what you need. Yeah. rather than waste, it's more like the cost of the agreement, isn't it? Indeed, yeah. yeah. And uh, I think um, the other anecdote I heard the other day was um, Oracle account manager saying, "If you buy this rack of, you know, whatever, um, I won't audit you." <laughs> <laughs> that's another cost cost of the agreement, isn't it? Because I, I, you know, I, I need to get to the club. I need to get to my sales target. Uh, so if you buy this, I, I, won't, I won't audit you, and I'll keep up yeah. your friend, which is um, incredibly corrupt. And uh, but that, that's the cost of the agreement. And and or perhaps a more realistic example is perhaps if you're if you've got price bands, and sometimes it it it's more. Efficient to buy more even though if you don't need them because you hit the new price band, don't you
0: you fall into a new price band? Yeah, yeah So actually, it
1: actually pays to buy to get a surplus. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. yeah. okay, and um, So I, I Love this this concept of the four pillars um, You know that the the sort of standards or the I, I guess you might call that the um, enterprise architect might sit in there, mightn't he? Um, yes. You choose yeah. the standards for what we're owning, then you've got the demand from the business units, you've got asset management and procurement, So, but there's only so many hours in the day, so presumably within your category, you're prioritising or there's certain vendors that have taken up majority of your time, how, how does that work?
0: Yes, uh, certainly you can, you can do that for all, um, you're not going to do that for smaller uh, spot buy purchases where you're only buying a few licenses of a specific niche product, um, but in the bigger agreements, yes, you want to have all four of those uh, entities around the table and and participating in the uh, in the in the negotiations. That's it's important to get an, an entire view there and not have the business come back and say afterwards, well, uh, we needed an extra. Uh, 500k worth of these licenses over here, but we didn't know that. So, you know, and that didn't get included in the negotiation. So, having everyone around the table, having everyone participating, means you get an agreement at the end of the day that that can that works for the business, that the SAM guys can uh, can control and uh, monitor the assets that are under the underneath that, um, and that provides value for the business. So what what we do, uh, what I do, and what I've done for some time is, is, and I wrote a blog post on this, and I think you, you read that, Martin, because you <laughs> picked up on it, was this idea of having a funnel. And most procurement organizations do this, but I think procurement organizations can learn a lot from sales and how sales go about funneling ideas and funneling leads into uh, this funnel, which we then... At the bottom of it, you come out with good qualified opportunities to go and negotiate contracts or, or do sourcing projects. Uh, so that's really my methodology around that is really building a funnel of uh, ideas. Uh, you know, talking to the business and saying, okay, in, in six months' time, it looks like you're going to be buying some of this software. Let's uh, let's note that. Let's track that, whether that's going to actually happen or not, uh, near the time, uh, and to really manage those opportunities, looking at contracts that are expiring in in a year or, or more from now and having that in your funnel and really m- managing that so that you, you know what's coming up, you're starting the conversations with the vendor at the right time, you're proactive about all that kind of stuff and you're you're qualifying those opportunities as they approach uh, so that you're you're only dealing with uh, opportunities that are really going to result in savings or, or that are strategically important for the business. Uh, you're not reacting to every uh, contract expiration, you know, a month before it happens, oh, with better get in contact with the vendor. No, it, it's something that you start proactively. And a lot of I mean, a lot of the, the leverage in negotiations comes by uh, the timing that you have. So if you're not chasing the deadline and hoping to get a deal before your license keys expires, then you have a lot more leverage in the negotiations. If you're approaching a vendor a year before the contract's due to expire and saying, oh, how about we do it a year early, uh, You know, just get a feel for the vendor, are they struggling to make their numbers, if so you could get a really good deal by opening up the contract and extending it for another two years before it expires, you know, a year before it expires, that that kind of a thing is is something that you can only do if you're proactively managing all your contract expirations and, and, and the opportunities that you have to, to negotiate
1: so and I love this model because this, you know, many, many people are going to be familiar with the um, the sales model and it's, you know, it's all about a funnel and the more leads that you chuck in the top, the more will trickle out the bottom and you've got to work the pipeline and all the rest of it. I'm sure people are familiar with that concept and, um, you know, a salesperson will have a number on his head to hit for the year and he knows that he will need a certain amount of leads in order to hit that number. So are you measured in a similar way? I mean, I know that you're, you know, you're, are you're, you're, you know if you, if you move position it will be based on your reputation your experience but also the the sort of your your brag file of of the all the savings you've made how do you how do you quantify how these leads are working and whether they're working or not
0: exactly that's what it's all about so you, you you've got the sales have targets well guess what procurement people have targets too. and and it's it's maybe changing and that it, procurement is no longer solely about savings um when I started in procurement, it was pretty much we were the the, the admins making up the POs, and uh, not not in the slightest bit strategic. But we want to become strategic. We want to have a seat at the top table when we're discussing with vendors. So the only way to get that is to earn it by making savings. So um, yeah the funnel idea is the way is the way I do that. but how do how is that measured? Well, I think almost every procurement organization I've heard of is always measured on hard savings, p and l. So that means um, if you were buying something last year and it cost a hundred, if you can uh, if you can reduce the cost and this year we only pay eighty, then that's great. You know that that's a hard p and l saving. So, oh,
1: the, so, so, sorry. Uh, so, so, I imagine, imagine, um, you know, many organisations want to do SAM purely because they want to save money. You know, I, I get that, but I think the, the bigger picture is about its efficiency. You know, because a lot of organisations actually are spending a lot of money on IT, and they want to spend more money on software, uh, but they just want to get more bang for their buck. They want to, it, it, you know, whatever spend they make, they want to make it efficiently. So. How does that? That's a, that's potentially a conflict with a procurement guy with a target, isn't it? Because going back to your four, four pillars, your demands might dictate that actually we need to spend a lot more with that that vendor, um, but yeah. you're trying to to to, to, to reduce it. So how how does that conflict work out?
0: Well, no, because most I'm not sure. Yeah, if you're buying more, then you're actually you're not measuring the quantity. You need to be Making sure that you're comparing apples to apples. So you, if you're buying more, then you're you're hopefully buying at a lower unit cost, and therefore you can say, well, you can measure your saving on the unit cost. Yeah. So so that's not necessarily the case. But where I do see it does conflict is a lot of organisations. Uh, if I explain another method of. Recording savings is there's a saving which is typically called cost avoidance, which means that if you've never bought something in the past and the supplier comes to you and gives you a quote, uh, then the procurement organization are able to reduce the price of that. Uh, that gets looked as a cost avoidance rather than a hard cost saving because there was no previous cost to benchmark it against. And And those are typically not highly regarded. <laughs> and those there may be a target against them, but they're not always uh, that's not always the focus. Often it's not the focus. And well, that drives the wrong kind of behavior, I believe, because that's when you're you're negotiating your price with your vendor, and on the basis of the price of the licenses, that's often how you pay maintenance and support. So, if the procurement organization isn't really focused on getting the right price on day one, then you're you're set to pay higher support and maintenance costs on those licenses, uh, and you've locked yourself in at a high price point, so the next time you go to negotiate, uh, go to buy new licenses, they'll be at that same price point, or at least that's where the negotiation will start. So that's where I see that organizations should spend Put a lot more emphasis on getting the right price uh, up front, rather than only on hard PL savings.
1: So I was going to ask you about this as well, because um, this is another potential point of conflict that I see is uh, the definition of saving. So, so a Sam person, you know, put a, a key, you know, pillar of or key, um, you know, basic tenant of sam is that you can remove unused software shelfware as you said um, but the as but then the, the sam person takes that to the business and they say well that doesn't matter because you know that money's already been spent um, so, so how does uh, you've got hard savings soft savings return on investment from or, or cost of ownership there's all these different measurements um, mm-hmm. if i'm a software manager and I'm trying to build bridges with procurement and, and build the influence of Sam, what, what would you recommend in terms of what, what really works for procurement?
0: In terms of software asset management?
1: Yeah. So if I'm trying to build bridges with procurement and I want to, you know, really um, increase the sort of um, influence of my department and I want to really show how, how our department is working that with figures that really resonate with procurement, what should I do?
0: It's it's not simply a question of procurement. It's also the business because the business it's a three party thing, and the business needs to uh, to to be able to measure demand, and that's that that's what procurement people are most looking for is demand. So if if demand is shrinking and uh, and if some people are finding uh, that there's a lot of licenses that were bought that don't actually that aren't actually needed, or people have left the company, and others have just gone out and blindly bought new licenses without reusing what's already there. Then, then that's going to play into how the negotiations will will pan out for procurement negotiating with the vendor, because vendors, software vendors, always want to see you increase uh, the software that you're buying. So, if you're not increasing, then then that becomes a problem. But that, it's better to know that, obviously. So, providing that kind of information into procurement is is something that would be very valuable to procurement. Uh, and conversely, the demand, if there's growing demand, then procurement wants to know that and wants to know that early so that they can build that into the negotiation plan. So, it's all about providing the information into into procurement. And, and I, I don't think the line needs to be so definitely drawn, you know, because uh, when I listen to all the, the stuff that you guys are talking about at uh, Global Item Review, it's uh, it's a lot about licensing models and how uh, the licensing models of the big vendors work and how best to use them and that's the kind of information that procurement doesn't necessarily have, you know. Uh, often procurement organisations don't have uh, dedicated uh, soft people uh, dedicated to software so they're they're not aware of the ins and outs of Oracle contracts or or, or Microsoft contracts so that's where s- uh, Sam professionals also uh, can can provide a lot of value into procurement by explaining that and by saying okay this is this is what we think we should we should buy uh, and, and that that then becomes a and ask to to the supplier when procurement goes out to negotiate the contract.
1: So if we look at your saving funnel and you're working on your leads, is that is that something that you would typically share with the SAM group to say, well these are the these are the sort of prospects or the leads that I'm working on at the moment, and how can we collaborate? How how, do, how does that work? How how can yeah. SAM support you with your saving funnel?
0: yes well that's that's a great way of collaborating is to is that procurement shares with software asset management people I mean, these are the contracts coming up uh, you know we have for example an adobe contract expiring next year so uh, we're going to start the negotiations around uh, uh, around september um, we expect those negotiations to last four or five months and then we'll sign a new agreement early next year. That uh, So that SAM is aware of that so that they can make sure that the inventory is the, uh, of Adobe uh, software is completely up to date, that we know exactly what it is we want to renew. Exact, and also that SAM and procurement can look together at the, the suppliers latest offerings, the suppliers new uh, um, licensing models, whether in particular in the case of Adobe you know whether we want to move to cloud or whether we want to stick with classic licensing. all that kind of stuff can be discussed up front so that you're not chasing your tail when a, when a supplier's letter comes in saying, oh by the way in, in 30 days your contract expires you know. So a lot I mean negotiation, a lot of negotiation is all about preparation. And so the better prepared you can be, the better you will fare in those negotiations And having software asset management team that, that, that is constantly monitoring the licenses in use and the license and, and the licensing models and etc. that that's excellent information that procurement can use to get a, to get a good contract.
1: So using so, your, um, using your model, um, there's, there's three things that spring to mind there that Sam people can help with is, is they can say, uh, especially for something like Adobe, you can have a big chunk of that that's unused on the network. Um, you can have some unlicensed, you know, you might have some compliance issues somewhere, you know, for, for whatever reason. Um, you might have people on the wrong version. Um, you know, there's opportunities to make savings there by shifting versions or even to swap certain applications to different vendors and you know, find different suppliers rather than yeah. renewing. So uh, what I guess that's, I'm answering my own question here, but that's almost going to the business first, isn't it, to assess that before bringing it to procurement. Is that the way it works?
0: Well, that's why I say, yeah, the business has to be involved in that kind of decision because procurement, and I imagine, Sam, is, this, is the same situation. We are just like a legal department within a corporation. We're not the business. It's not our money. We're just providing a service. Uh, so we in procurement, we always have to bear that in mind. You know, we'd love it. To, we we love to pretend that we are the customer in front of the supplier, and that they can only talk to us. They obviously want to get to the business, to the people who've got the money, to try and try and do the deal with them directly. But so we're providing a service, uh, and the business needs to buy into what it is that we're trying to do. And um, so if. The SAM organization has a whole lot of suggestions on how to improve the way certain software products are licensed. In order to optimize that, then yes, the business needs to say that that's what we want to do. We agree, uh, and then procurement needs to needs to take that and and get the best deal possible from the from the supplier. So it's really you know those three three pillars, and the fourth one that I added in was was uh, sort of Chief technology role for uh, uh, standards. We're saying you know, this is the kind of software we want to be using. Let's move towards that software. So, uh,
1: so using your using your pipeline or your leads analogy. In um, I guess if some people have got the bandwidth and the time, they also all, almost need to be doing this preparation ahead ahead of what you're doing, don't they? They need to be two steps ahead of what you're doing to to do these. do this analysis on options before you even begin your your process
0: well it's an ongoing process uh, and as opportunities are identified if it's a big contract with a lot of software under it then I will always reach out to to the SAM organization and say this is coming up so as the business gets its head around what it is they want to renew in terms of demand in terms of future business future licenses uh, and as the, the SAM organization gets the, uh, the inventory and the, the requirements, the current requirements up to date, uh, procurement is working on, on a negotiation strategy and reaching out to the vendor and starting to have the preliminary, preliminary, preliminary discussions with the vendor. Uh, all that kind of, kind of happens in, in preparation for, for, for the negotiations. Uh, but what you absolutely want to avoid and what you, I'm sure you see it, I see it, is, is you know, a vendor's letter comes through the door, the, the letter box saying your contract expires or worse still, uh, you don't hear anything from the vendor but suddenly your license keys expire and, and there's error messages flashing up and suddenly you have to negotiate a new contract. Uh, on uh, in very short time and then invariably you get a terrible contract and you pay a hefty price for it. So yeah, I would agree all, all of it is, is preparation and it's all about working together and letting each other know what's coming up and if if the Software Asset Management organization find a whole bunch of licensed sof- software installations that are not licensed that also needs to be fed into procurement and say, okay, how do we go about approaching this vendor to get these licenses so that we're compliant? It's much better to do it that way than to to that the vendor finds out and immediately wants to audit you, and then uh, you know you're going to pay full price. But um, yeah, I I would like to understand more from your side. You know how you've given a lot of feedback on how you see procurement. Uh, is that you know is is are you seeing that there's a disconnect between procurement and software asset management that, that these two organizations aren't working together
1: um i just i just hear of it um now and again and and in particular um and and i don't i don't, I don't want to make an enemy of procurement here but i hear that procurement tend to take the glory uh you know that they'll they'll you know, the, the SAM function is basically the analytics and business intelligence on what's being used out there and and how mm. risk and um, the, the the compliance position and they'll help build do a lot of the legwork and the and the the, the data to build a, the um, contract and then procurement might sweep in and and agree something else. Um, that's what that's what I hear occasionally, but I I I just um, interested in your feedback really
0: yeah and and I often hear the same in procurement we often say the same about the business you know if it's uh, if it's a good contract then the business negotiated it and they're very happy and they, they tell everyone how wonderful it was uh, if it's a bad contract then guess who gets the claim? <laughs> procurement. Yeah. so you know it's uh, I think we have we have a lot in common in terms of procurement and software asset management because we're both uh, serving the business as a as of service function, and uh, can easily get the blame if things go wrong, and if things go right, then that, well, that's just our job. So <laughs> you know.
1: So how, how, we, I, I really love this for for um for parties. Um, so how does that how does that work in practice? Um, because I whenever I've been doing some work with with end user customers on a contract or whatever. Um. There's always been a, at least one of those parties missing, you know. Uh, we're, we're trying to, you know, the, the, the enterprise architect doesn't want to get down in the minutiae of what version we're running or what version of PDF writer we're running. Um, the business wants to stick with what they have and they don't want to shift to a different PDF writer because they're used to what they have or they're not, they don't even care. And then asset managers trying to say that, hey, there's a great saving to be had here. And procurement's off doing something else. So you know, there's there's usually one of those four parties missing. So I'm just wondering how, wh- what does that work in practice? Do do you do like a like a, a board or or a steering group, or how, how do you determine how do you get all these people around yeah. the
0: well, Exactly, that that's often a problem. Uh, and things that are a priority for procurement aren't always a priority for the business, etc. So what the the concept of the funnel allows you to do is it allows you to have check off points in the life cycle of a, let's say an opportunity where you're saying okay, it comes in as an opportunity and then procurement looks at it and sort of fleshes that out and understands what the opportunity is, the likelihood of that coming off etc, and who within the business, within software asset management, within the, uh, the, uh, the architects community, who needs to be involved. And then what what we do is uh, I, I will go out and look for a, an executive sponsor who will say yep, that's something we want to do. I see the logic, I see where that savings is going to come from or where that you know why we should do this contract negotiation or sourcing exercise and I sponsor it. And, and then that person is the kind of uh, policeman who will, sh- who will shepherd the right people into this project to make sure that uh, everyone is represented. Uh, and if you can, so, so that's another very good reason to do things up front and to get plenty of runway uh, on these opportunities so that you can qualify them, so that you can get an executive sponsor, and so you can get the right parties involved. Uh, early on to make sure
1: that it's a success. And I'm, I'm trying to think of which one comes first, but they, they all need to happen together, really, don't you? Know you need to look at what you're currently using and your compliance position. You need to look at what the demand of the business is at the same time and what their future demands might be, whilst looking at what the enterprise architects or the project teams have in terms of standards and what direction they're taking and what platforms they've got planned and whatnot. And then yeah. procurement needs to be. It's no point dumping not on procurement at the last minute. They need to be part of the process as well, don't they?
0: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, it's all. It's all. Everyone needs to be part of that process. But having a formal way of uh, managing it, whether you call it a funnel or whatever you want to call it, it, you know that at least everyone knows what is required to take something from from just uh, a, a far off distant contract expiration to you know this is how we go about managing that up to the negotiations and then reaching out to the vendor and actually negotiating it and then ongoing you know how we manage it once it's uh, it's operational and then uh, so all of that is is needs to have a way of managing it and too often you see i hear Colleagues in other organisations are saying, you know, just stuff gets dumped on your desk at the last minute. Go negotiate this, and it, that's not that's not an effective way of getting the best agreements in place. Because you're really, then you're really negotiating from a positional point of view. You're not really, you're not managing the relationship with the supplier. You're not uh, building strategic relationships. You're just just transactions. You're just talking, you know, this. This, this amount of money we paid last year uh, we, we want to pay less and the supplier obviously wants you to pay more and then you, you're really negotiating a very uh, basic level whereas what we try to do in procurement is increase the strategic relationship with the supplier, trying to understand where the supplier is going rather than negotiating on the basis of a, uh, a, a, a price but negotiate and get the leverage from having a a good working relationship with that supplier so
1: so final question for you how how long is your if if i was to look at your lead pipeline your your funnel um is this a excel sheet and how long you know is it like three years out or how, how how does it work
0: yeah basically any all of my contracts that i manage are in that funnel uh whether they're They've just been renewed, and they, they will be renewed again in three years' time. They're still there, uh, and so it, it's just a long Excel sheet of things that I'm working on. Um, and I mean, I don't want to go into too much detail because it's all yeah, you know, it's uh, that that's how uh, my company works. I, don't exactly have permission to share any of that, so. <laughs> um, but I, you know, this I did this in my previous employer as well, and this is how, um, this is this is how I measure those things so that I don't miss anything that's coming along the pipeline, and so that I can see things far out. And also, as I mentioned earlier, what I found often is a very uh, successful. Way of renewing contracts is not to renew them when they need to be renewed, but to renew them uh, either a year or, or or a half year early. Um, if and, and often just by offering that to the supplier, if they if it's a salesperson who's needing some extra revenue to make his numbers, then they will happily get into a contract negotiation with you a couple of years early to, to renew that contract out for a further two or three years. If the business can commit that long, then there's no reason why you shouldn't do that. That's often where the leverage comes from in the negotiations. And you have a much more powerful position in those negotiations because you're, you're not under any pressure. If if you don't reach an agreement, well, you've still got a year, you know. You you so so you you can much more easily walk away, and so you you're in a much better position than you would be if you if your license keys are expiring on the 31st of December and uh, and you're about to go off on Christmas uh, leave, you know that that's a tough place <laughs> to be negotiating a contract. Whereas if you're doing it six months prior, then then you're in a far
1: better position. You got the breathing space yeah well thank you very much for your time uh christian really appreciate it and uh, keep up the good work on your podcast and your community and uh everyone listening to the podcast please go and check out uh, check out um softwarespend.com and um and listen to christian's podcast and his his, uh, his linkedin group so thank you very much for your time christian
0: Yes, thank you, Martin. And I look forward to hopefully meeting you at your, uh, your IDF
1: seminar in April. Yeah, thank you. You're most welcome. I hope to see you then. Cheers. Great. Thank you. Bye-bye.